Welcome to the Transatlantic Rants. It's a very exciting one, this one, episode 10, Jeremy. Double figures. Wow, double figures. Yes. Cool. I'm impressed we've made it this far. It is. Yeah, it's good stuff. Do you know any people are listening you? to this? Uh, I believe <laughs> we're not in double figures for that yet. My mum, your mum, and your wife. Yeah. Well, that's all right. They're good fans, big fans. No, I got a couple of emails, actually, because we didn't do an episode last week. So I had a couple of emails from people wondering where the episode was. So, wow. Yeah, so apologies to those people. Are they people <laughs> that aren't your friends? And they are friends, I think. But I had some other emails uh, from other people, which we'll get into uh, towards the end. A um, couple of points that people wanted to talk about. Uh, so how are you? I'm tired. Are you? Yeah. I went um, mountain biking with some... You know, I've been talking about the mountain biking. People have been listening to this from the, the old days. They would have probably heard a um, a rant about going mountain biking. And the same thing happened. I was like the, the big bloke at the back struggling to get up the hill. Um, all of that palaver. Um, but, you know, apart from that, it's all right. Ticking along. Yeah. Life's going well, you quickly, did. as you know, as you get older, it just goes quick. You did tell me that you were trying to mount a bike with someone who's almost a professional. Yes, that doesn't help. <laughs> <laughs> You're almost... That also follows the other golden rule that we also discussed, is never do anything with people that know what they're doing. I had these clip-in things, because after I went last time, all the guys had these clip-in shoes that just snapped straight into the... Uh, into the pedals and I thought that's a really good idea that might help me now you get into that stage where you're sort of thinking if I spend more money on something I've definitely got a chance of being better at it and that's where I am at the moment so I bought these clipping things obviously hoping to get out on the bike and use them but I hadn't been mountain biking since the last time I ran it which was a good couple of months ago I go in on these clips he's belting it off Mark's belting it off I'm trying to follow and we literally get to the, the bit the heath that we're going to go and mountain bike around and I can't get my feet out of the clips and I li- literally it's just like a, a tree timbering down onto the ground where I couldn't get my fucking feet out of these bloody things fell onto the ground much hilarity from those two lifting my big heavy tank over the fence to get started again trying to get out of the hill couldn't get my feet out of these blimmin' things when I couldn't get up to the top of the hill. Timbered straight over again. Onto, and this is pretty much was the, the thing for the next two hours of me lagging at the back, falling onto my arse. one point, I um, was following Mark. He stopped, literally stopped in the most spiky heathland kind of um, spiky plant, cacti-ridden fucking place he could have ever stopped. And rather than me going into the back of him, again, couldn't get my feet out of these things, fell right down into this ravine, spiking plants, <laughs> covered in all these little dot patches of blood where I got spiked to death. Oh, mate. Something's telling me I just need to sit on the sofa and eat crisps for the next 40 years. 
Yeah, I don't know quite understand why you put yourself through that, but... Well, I hope that I, I didn't practice, mate, before I went out, and I didn't. I just went straight out on these things. What did you want to do? Practice falling over? <laughs> I wanted to just go on... The, well, actually, probably wasn't being good on the... On, I dig on rope. I just wanted to go somewhere on my own where embarrassment could go out the window and I could just fall over in my own good time. Yeah. So. How about you? Yeah, it's not been bad. I've been pretty busy. Last week we did the insulation in the roof. Um... We put uh, we hired this machine where you blow the insulation into the roof, so it chops it all up, and then you run a hose up to the attic and blow the insulation in there. So in preparation for winter, we did that, and it was actually the most bizarre thing. It was one of those jobs that went pretty much smoothly. Nothing went wrong with it, so I was pretty happy with that. Um, uh, still continuing on with my bathroom. I should have that done, hopefully, uh, sometime in the next five years uh yeah but i'm getting on we got tiles and stuff i'm ready to do that so um but uh somebody told me the other day they said um when you come to doing the uh, they call it here mudding where you have to do the uh, uh plastering between the drywall and uh whatever and they said you know it's that's the worst job they were right it's brutal the sanding oh I yeah just came out i came out looking like the abominable snowman yeah, and it's not over yet, so... It's all the uh, prep work, mate. We've got an attic extension. It's all the taping stuff up, the painting, the dull, dull painting. I, I put um, uh, mats, you know, like whatever it is that you put on the, the, the window ledges. What is that stuff? Mat, mats? Well, you know, like the, the, the really shiny stuff. Paint. Gloss. I have no idea. Gloss. Oh, gloss paint. All right. Paint. Oh, I don't even right. know what the stuff right. is. Do you mean as opposed to matte paint? Yes, as opposed to matte goss. He's <laughs> <laughs> now an actor, I think. Anyway, oh, yeah. I don't know my matte goss from my matte goss. Gloss. But anyway, <laughs> I, I, my, the missus always asked me to do stuff in satin, and I've kind of like felt that satin doesn't last long enough. It just kind of fades. And, you know, if you put some gloss on it, it's nice and shiny. So, um, I've been doing all of the... Um, the window sills and the new ones, and I didn't realise that you have to prime new window sills. I didn't even know that. It was pointed out by my parents who decided they wanted to come over and help, and they they moaned and bitched about the fact that I hadn't actually primed any of this stuff and just basically chucked paint straight onto wood. And they told me it's all going to come off, and it hasn't. I mean, it's all fine. But um, my dad got involved, and he's seventy. And he is just the most slapdash merchant you'll ever find. There is paint everywhere. He dropped a pot of paint on the floor on our new carpet, which then went into another carpet in the other room. Um, so I now know where I get my kind of slapdash, don't care attitude from. So it didn't go right at all. So I've had to go through the kind of moral dilemma of trying to be grateful for them coming over, but also not so grateful because they've made an absolute mess and trying to tell them that they've done that, you know. Um, and that hasn't been easy. I basically did the coward's way of rather than telling my dad I didn't want to uh, require his services anymore, I've got my mum to tell him that we're just going to give it a bit of a break. It's like a relationship. <laughs> it's, like rela- it's like I'm going out with him. I just need a break, Dad. <laughs> it can't go oh, on like this. You're, you're splitting up from your father. Yes. We're getting a divorce. Because he's he's splattered paint and dropped paint pots, and all the time my mum, poor mum, 
all we get, all I, get, I got back from work, and all I could hear was, Giggy! And then my, my poor mum <laughs> has to run up there and see the next disaster that he's done, and she says every time he does anything, I have to be involved in it. He can't just go and do a job on his own and get on with it. He has to have people involved, and this is pretty much what's happened, mate. He's, yeah. So, the divorce is, is imminent. The papers are in the post, are they? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, Bless him. Yeah. God. Oh well. He means well. Okay. We, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So many things in life, aren't they, are by by people that meant well? You know, like you can't politicians. Your, you, you, well, yeah. You can't choose your family. We've wasted all your money, but we meant well. We haven't controlled the banks, but we meant well. You know. Good. Thank you for that. So we have a uh, a few topics that we wanted to cover today. Uh, one of them was. The fall of the idols. So we have, uh, internationally, everyone's aware that Lance Armstrong, as it turned out, uh, wasn't so innocent. I think, am I, uh, is it it definitely proved? I'm not sure, but whether, you know, it's not looking good for Lance, is it? The evidence is damning. The, The amount of people have come out of the woodwork against him is pretty, pretty high. I mean, one of Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, it is. and then over in the UK, you had uh, the celebrity Jimmy Savile, who everybody, as far as long as I can remember, everybody always thought he was as dodgy as anything. But there was really nothing to be proved until now. It's come out that he was a bit of a diddler. Um, Mate, he put the N so. in nonce. Right. Yeah. So uh, I thought we'd cover that. Then we're um, probably a little bit... Uh, more gaming Resident Evil 6 came out and got panned so I wanted to just cover that and uh, maybe a little bit of disappointment in that I can't say I've played it yet but it's uh, maybe we could just talk a little bit about sort of the milking of game franchises or the milking of movies and uh, I was going to talk a little bit I had something on Hollywood movies and what's been released in the last sort of few years and how there's no original content coming out from people and uh, how maybe, you know, something like Resident Evil 6 being panned is a good thing. You know, let's give um, give the industries a kick up the backside and say, come on, you know, just let's start to release new things. Stop milking it. So maybe we could talk about that. Um, the other thing I want to talk about was companies taking the piss, uh, to, to put it shortly. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, oh, them, them companies that take the piss. Companies that take the piss, which really got me. Uh, And then we also had written on here expats. Um, You mentioned expats a few weeks ago, and we've never taken it it up, so maybe we can try and get to that. Yep. And then uh, there's a couple of emails from people, which is nice, some Twitters uh, and whatnot. So uh, does that sound good? Sounds good. Full agenda. Yeah, smashing. (laughs) Okay, so let's uh, well let's go on to the one um, about uh, well Jimmy Savile, Lance Armstrong, the fall of grace of these celebrities. Uh, maybe you should start talking about Jimmy Savile. So he's a cele- well uh, just uh, so he's a celebrity out in the UK. He's just he died about a couple of months ago, didn't he? He did. He died about eighty three, something like that. Um, he was very well known in. He died in nineteen eighty three. No, he was. He died. He was eighty three. Oh. Died in '83. Although, to be honest, he looked like he died in '83. He was one of those people that's a little bit like, 
I suppose just 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 people that look much older than they are. The Steve Martin kind of syndrome, you know, where they got this sort of white hair from the age of like five. Um, anyway, he was a very sort of eccentric character, and he did a program um, called Jim Will Fix It that was massive, um, major, major sort of like program over in the BBC that had every kid wanting to get on it. I even um, remember writing off to Jimmy to say, could you fix it for me to spend a night in Hamleys, which is a big department store, in the vain hope I could sort of like, you know, be lost in there and then play with all the toys and stuff. And I thought that was a real goer, but obviously it wasn't. Because <laughs> <laughs> that, that never happened. But they just had like scouts on um, on roller coasters, eating food and puking and things like that, which was probably more entertaining. Um, but anyway... So he has this big show, and it's all the kids, and they're always sitting on his lap, and he gives them a Jim Will Fix It badge, and, and um, they go on their merry way. And he did a lot of marathons, and a lot of uh, raising millions. He raised millions for, for charities, um, big marathon runner. And he was doing this for a long, long time. He had a big cigar. He had his son of, like, catch or, or, or whatever. That wasn't what it was. It was something. He did something. That sounds like a dead seal, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> what was that? I'm trying to think because it was like, wasn't it? But it was a cigar. Now I was about that. Yeah, I was yeah. about that. Like, I was about that. that. There we go. Now you're on the right track. That's it. That was that, that, was that yeah, sort of thing. Um, he also was a radio DJ and he was a very famous guy. Um, and everybody thought that was all fine. And then a couple of years before he died, ITV came out of a documentary. It became known that he had a liking for children and not in the way that we thought that he just wanted to give him a Jim Will Fix It badge. It actually turned out that he was a serial paedophile. Two rapes have been um, brought forward, um, 120 plus cases of people saying that and, uh, that they had been um, either molested or inappropriately touched or, or whatever by Jimmy Savile. So, I can't understand myself personally how this could have not have been known for, for quite some time um, because other people have been brought into it. Gary Glitter, who was once a kind of a glam rock guy over here, was discovered to have a lot of child porn on a PC by uh, PC World, I think it was, and he was prosecuted. He went, uh, went to prison for it. Um, he then escaped to Cambodia, which, as everybody knows, is a place where paedophiles actually go and hang out. So it's kind of like we highlighted him as being a paedophile, and then he ran off and started doing his stuff somewhere else. And the authorities here didn't seem to give too much of a shit. It's like, well, he he, he can go off and, and, and molest some, somebody else's kids rather than our own. That, that, that works for us until, actually, Cambodia kicked him out. Uh, then Freddie Starr has been alleged to have groped a 14-year-old inappropriately on the Jimmy Savile show. So this whole kind of strange, weird shit has come forward. And what makes this even worse is now it's coming to light that, that um, newspaper reporters actually knew that Jimmy Savile was dodgy and that there had been some cases that they tried to bring against him. But because of his charity work and this whole sort of like aura that he'd had of being a really nice guy who was running his marathons and everything else, is that they didn't bring them forward. They didn't do anything with this news, which to me is staggering. If you knew this stuff was going on, what, what, you just keep quiet about, oh, well, he's molesting some children, but he is raising some money for charity. And now they believe that the whole thing of him getting away with Unless his children doing these marathon runs was to basically give him a buffer of stopping people bringing his activities to light, um, which is just 
horrific. Yeah, I think that's the point. I don't, you know, I, it's it's difficult to comprehend is how it just remains. How do you how does that keep wrapped up? I just don't get it. Um, I don't. I wonder, and I wonder maybe this is a you know maybe that's something that could remain under wraps. You know, let's say pre-internet age. But really, as you're coming into this age, there's no way he would have got with it, got away with it now in the last sort of few years. Um, no, but I find it frightening, mate, that this whole this whole thing is is basically no. There was a, a, an incident some years back where Eureka Johnson and I put allegedly, but it was well known, was allegedly raped by John Leslie, who was a Blue Peter presenter, again a children's presenter. And he was kind of known in the industry as being a, a real lech um, and he's a six foot six guy so you know it's not some sort of like little dwarf that you could probably shove off or whatever he was a big sort of like bloke he was quite imposing um, and it was known in the industry that he was doing this stuff you know and it was known that Eureka Johnson had allegedly been raped by John Leslie and nothing happened now if, if you were in your workplace and someone said oh you know uh you know Doris down by in the, in accounts. Yeah, well, she's got raped apparently by Bill the the salesman. Would you sort of leave that? Would you not do anything about it? Would you try and figure out? All oh, right, is that is that really happened? Would you not say anything to a manager? Well, what would you sit on it and do nothing? Is it acceptable? What the fuck's going on? Why isn't anybody saying anything? Why why is this sort of that, that was allowed to happen? I don't know whether there's hush money fly. I guess it's maybe you know this hush money flies around, or it's, I, I don't know. It's, it's called being a coward and being spineless. That's it. No one wanted their career possibly fucked up by making these allegations, and perhaps they're not being you know any any truth to it. But the fact is, is that where there's something like rape, or there's something like child molestation, or something like that, then it's such a serious like issue. Something needs to be done about it, and nothing happened. Nothing. They knew about this for years. I mean, this was about he. It was with uh, a disabled woman. Said that he came over when she was in hospital, and he because he was doing all these visits, and everyone left the room, and he literally went over, shoved his tongue down her throat. This is the words that she said. Groped her, and then walked out. This man just thought he was untouchable, and people's lives have been affected by it. It's. You know, and, and they've brought it till now. So literally now, there's this big kind of cleansing. All the his his tombstones being removed because people were putting paedophile rapists on there. The little plaques that you have outside people's homes, they've all been removed because people have been defacing them. It's really been a major thing. It's like mm. knowing your your childhood sort of hero, your childhood sort of you know the guy that everyone liked. And and actually now, let's think about it. Let's think. As I was discussing with the wife, why is it? that people do have this massive interest in other people's children to, to that sort of extent. You know, you, you have to sometimes question teachers apart, people that work in, in, in those industries, but people that do things in their spare time with lots of other people's children, I, I kind of have to think, I've got a young son, I love him to bits, but he's incredibly irritating sometimes. <laughs> well, Why would you want to be doing that? Why would you want to have screaming children as, and, and find that as something you want to do? I yeah, know. no, I, yeah, I, I, you know what? I have to question that because many a time I'll come back from work and my, uh, my wife will have some of the, her friends around here, and they all have kids who are around the same age. So it's, it's very common that I'll come in and there'll be, you know, my children will have multiplied by three, and there's six, 
six of them all running around. Uh, and I can't do anything quicker than get out. I have no interest in children <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> like I, the uh, children, uh, you know, my children are all right. <laughs> but I pretty much use up just about every ounce of sort of sanity I have for them. That's about it. Exactly. So. There's nothing in the tank left for anybody else. They're actually wanting, <laughs> so we actually want to go out there and have that scream. I, we go to a place called The Lookout, and literally every feral child from around the county goes to this place where you can go on these swing slides. Someone's put an enormous big drum and these kids are just smacking the shit out. And I'm there with my little son who is in a little like carrier thing because he's only eight months thinking I'm not going to be able to handle this if I have to come to places like this these screaming fucking kids running around smacking each other the evil child and there's always an evil child somewhere like punching the other kids in the face because he wants to get up the slide first and all that kind of thing I won't be able to handle that I need peace but people willingly wanting that like Jimmy Savile willingly wanting to have kids sitting on his lap or men that want to be Father Christmas and have kids sitting on their laps or scout leaders or any of these things, you basically willingly want to have screaming children 24-7. I have to question why. Mm. There's not, yeah. you know, why. Yeah. So uh, what about Lance Armstrong then? Lance. So, uh, yeah. I found it very amusing to see a lot of uh, Facebook posts uh, that people had put up a few months ago about how Lance was innocent, were being dug up again and reposted, you know, as, uh, yeah, it's not looking good, is it? Do you want to give a bit of background to the to, to the event? Well, yeah, as far as you know, as far as I can work out, you know, there's no smoke without fire, and what we had before was, you know, he wouldn't. Uh, the, all the investigation had been going on about Lance Armstrong and how he'd been involved in doping, and uh, you know, he was adamant that he'd never been caught, you know, or and there was no reason that he should have been caught because he hadn't done anything. But, uh, yeah, you know, as I say, no smoke without fire. And then now what's happened is, you know, all these reports are coming out where, and uncovering just basically what is a mass doping program within this, you know, the U.S. cycling. Um, and uh, there's no way that the guy who happened to be at the top of uh, the cycling uh, wasn't involved. And uh, it's pretty brutal. And again, you have a, you have a, another situation here where a guy he's done fantastic stuff, and everyone thinks he's an absolute hero because he's done all the charity work. And uh, you know, and that's it is good, but um, what a letdown! It, it is, mate. It's, it's kind of like you Just, you have these enormous, enormous people in sport. Your Michael Jordans, your Wayne Gretzky's. You know these big, big guys. And then you, you you just get, you think, right, wow, seven times winner of the Tour de France, you know, blah, 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 allegations against him. He's always passed the drug test, et cetera, et cetera. But they actually had it down to, in this report, and I have to say, again, you know, the report is damning. The amount of his ex-colleagues that have come forward knowing that the only way they could cover their own arses uh, because of it is to basically dump him in it so that they can carry on cycling as well professionally because now he's sort of banned from any professional cycling. He obviously decided that he wasn't going to contest this um, because he couldn't be asked. But Well, I always found that. I was talking to someone the other day, and I found that an interesting point, is you had this guy who, uh, you know, had battled cancer, had didn't, you know... 
had done ever what a winner you know nothing will stop me i will get to the top you know reach achieve your goals you know he's just the um, you know marketing man's dream you know and then when it comes to fighting his innocence nah, i ain't gonna do that nah, i'm giving, i'm not gonna do that that seemed a bit strange you know, aren't you the biggest fighter in the world absolutely and, good point and uh yeah okay and you'll lose all your titles um, although I did, what made me laugh this week was I saw someone had put on, <laughs> put on their Facebook that, uh, you know, a good point. And you can say this because you've been cycling, is that you have as many Tour de France titles as Lance Armstrong. <laughs> yes. If it makes you feel better. Yeah. I'm sure I've cycled <laughs> up one of those roads as well before in France. So, you know, I've actually done more than he has. You know. The, 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 the actual whole drug-taking thing, that was quite interesting. And with the um, the US Post team, they had it down to such a fine art that literally they would take this stuff and it increased their blood cell count, which gave them a 5% increase in, in, their, in their sort of ability. Now, 5% doesn't sound an awful lot, but apparently in the scheme of things, it brings a guy from the middle of the pack right up to the front so it gave you an enormous advantage over over the others what they would do is they'd call it a burn so they would take the drug they'd cycle their race they would have to wait about three or four hours after the cycling race for the stuff to literally get out of their system so they would be hiding from the drug um, testers who'd be coming around in one story Lance Armstrong actually hides in his hotel room until the drug guy has gone away because he's already been phoned by one of his teammates that the drug people are coming to that building next, blah, blah, blah. So they had this all incredibly well worked out. It was well known from a variety of different uh, newspaper reporters that this thing was was, uh, was a pandemic. It was an enormous thing in, in, in the sports. Um, and it is, it's just a shame. It's, I suppose it's like with the, the fall of, um, where I took an enormous delight, actually, in the fall of Tiger Woods, I have to admit. He's such a cock. He's such a dull <laughs> fucking cock, isn't he? Get in the hole. Get in the hole. USA. USA. Get in the hole. You know, I was so happy that this golden child had had an enormous fall. And I was also surprised by, if you're a multimillionaire, the amount of ugly women he was bonking, man. Well, they were just ugly in the places that he was going to, like his strip clubs. It's like that, that when um, Wayne Rooney, again, another multimillionaire, was just basically banging granny, grannies. <laughs> Couldn't you have gone up a grade? Couldn't you, with your money, have gone for some Michelle Pfeiffer sort of, I don't know, some looking fit woman or something? I don't know. What, what, what happened? Well, I'll tell you, yeah, but think, at least the thing with Tiger Woods is, you know, that's on his own time. Okay, he cheated on his wife and she, you know, bashed in his SUV with a golf club and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, whatever. You went in, okay... You cheated on your wife. It's, you know, it's not the nicest thing in the world, but it's, you know, it has no effect on his sport and the people who watch the sport and the fans. I mean, it really doesn't. You know, it has no effect on the sport. Yeah, but they, what they were trying to do, though, Nike, and what all of his sponsors, like EA and all of his, they were trying to create this wonderful golden child sportsman. And that's why his fall from grace was wonderful, because it just kind of said, yeah, you are human. And not only are you one of the glummest fuckers that people adore, I don't know why people adore you with your bottom lip jutting out and your sulky little bullshit attitude when you miss your little ball going in a hole. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Get in the hole! Get in the hole! Um, Get in the hole! I better go back to my million. 
<laughs> but, but I was just, I was happy. I was really happy because I remember buying Tiger Woods, what was it, 2010 or whatever bloody one it was, and uh, the disc got scratched and EA wouldn't let me replace it. And I kind of blamed Tiger Woods for that little light thing as well. So that's <laughs> kind of added to it. So it's almost like karma. Bloody He's already got your money. Yeah. But the thing with, with Lance is, and I think that everybody else sort of feels this, is that he was a real inspiration, I think, and with the testicular cancer and all the fact that he does all these charity things um, and has raised millions, that you almost wanted to believe that he was a real hero. And it's been, it came as quite a shock because I kind of thought, okay, one of your teammates starts bitching and saying you're taking drugs, you just get out of that. But the fact that you've had six or seven of your teammates saying you were taking drugs and they were at the same time as well damning themselves and the fact that a lot of the reporters were very aware that, that drugs were an enormous peak of activity around that time and the processes, all right, you weren't discovered, but the processes weren't that clean cut for actually finding you being like done for drugs. A little bit like if we all remember... Um, Oh, the England defender. Um, well, I was going to mention Rio, uh, Rio Ferdinand. You know, he didn't turn up for a drugs test. Yeah. And there was and there was no mucking around. He got banned for six months. Yeah. You know, this is like one of the top, you know, probably one of the top defenders in the world. And they didn't muck around. They said, you didn't turn up for your drugs test. You're banned for six months. Am I wrong in thinking that uh, the doping, uh, how how rigorous or how you know how important was the doping uh, checks for the cycling? Yeah, I got to check these guys. Yeah, they've all been doing posting record times. I better go check. You know, something's not right here. Uh, all right, we need to check him. Uh, we need to check Lance. Where is he? Don't know. What do you mean you don't know? Uh, we haven't seen him for four hours. He's disappeared. Okay. Yeah, he's one of our teammates, but we have no idea where he's gone. He's racing tomorrow, though, I think. Oh, all right. I'll come back later. <laughs> I know. This is. The if, you could get, if you wouldn't mind, could you get him to pee into this jar and then send it to me, please? Yes. That's what they find a little kid on the street, like they're doing... Um, <laughs> With nail and iron, then they get them to pee in it. Yeah, it's absolutely perfect. There's nothing wrong with his urine sample. I think it's the other thing cra- is, it's mate, crazy. The other thing is, and this, it's, this, there's two very, very important points coming out of this that go onto different plateaus: is people that are in positions of responsibility, like in in in, in authoritative positions, like drug testers, like I suppose in immigration or in, in certain areas of life where you, you need to have certain things checked and balanced and all the rest of it, just seem to be too nice. They're too, too sort of, oh, just let you get away with that, kid. just let you get away. And I, and I think that, unfortunately, drug testing uh, around that time was that they looked up to perhaps Lance and thought, oh, you know, he's just having a nap, he's just cycled for eight hours or whatever, he's having a nap, and they didn't follow it up. Whereas in this day, like you said with Rio, right, you haven't done that right, Fuck it. You know, if you're not going to be bothered to turn up to the thing, then you're, you're, you're banned. And that kind of ruthless sort of way, especially with the Olympics as well, where we had that that guy, uh, one of the 400 meter, no, 100, 100, one of the, the out of the 100 meter sort of 400 meter thing, you know, where they all do 100 meters thing, whatever it is. Four by 100 meters, that's the thing. Well, he did, uh, he took some, some drugs and he got banned for a long, long time. And that's a really fight to get his way back into it. But we've been a lot more ruthless, whereas in other countries, I don't think they are. My next point is, is one that I think is uh, uh, <clears throat> far more important, 
is the fact that we kind of need our heroes. We need our Pele's. We need our Don Bradmans. We need these kind of like guys that have just gone out there and, and are just amazing. Because you just need them. You need these people to look up to. And I kind of think with Lance that the horse had bolted. Could, it was like everyone was doing it around that time. Who cares? You, know, you could take that yeah. attitude because he's doing an awful lot for charity. People have been massively inspired. Our own Wiggy, who, who won the Tour de France, was majorly inspired by Lance Armstrong. I think we could have let it go. I know it's bad. I know it's wrong. But people were doing it right then. I was watching something the other day, which was an interesting, um, which were well, not interesting to most people, but they were talking about Chelsea. It was a, a program, an hour program about Chelsea's romp to the Champions League victory uh, in the summer, and uh, they were interviewing Peter Cech, the goalkeeper. And at the end, they said, "You know, what was the atmosphere like in the dressing room after the final?" And he said, "I have no idea. I got taken for drug testing and missed the whole thing," <laughs> which was, you know, which was uh, quite funny. But that's all. But good to know, you know. Yeah. Um, you know that, that it's that strict there, and that you know, and he's just pretty matter of fact about it. It's like, yeah, that's what happens, um, and that's a team game, really, where personal performance and drug performance you can't imagine, I guess, has some bearing, and they don't want it in the sport. But when you have something that's so, like cycling, that's so dependent on someone just being a machine, you know, yeah, or track and field events or something like that, it's uh, yeah. You could so. also argue, <clears throat> again, with Lance, is that after he won the Tour de France three times, there was probably an enormous pressure for him to succeed, enormous personal pressure on him to be up there. And that could have also influenced his, 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 his taking of these drugs. You know, when Tony Adams was found to be an enormous cocaine addict, and he said he had some of his best games on there, I kind of like to think of the times that he was just a really a great defender. You know, I think it's all harks back to when we had that rant about let's have all the normal people doing their sport and then all the enormous drug takers doing it so that you have your, your 100 metres in five seconds and, you know, you have your Colin Jackson's going over the hurdles and doing stuff like a lightning speed and if he loses, being so testosterone-like hung up because of all the stuff he's been injected over, he just goes and rounds, beats up all the competitions he's lost or, or, or just, you know, having a mad free-for-all. Let's just see yeah. if we can get our doctors to, to, to enhance all these people to such a level that they're superhuman. I just want to see people injected with pure lava. See what happens. <laughs> <laughs> just get them going. <laughs> yeah. Just use them as yeah. lab rats. Well, it's disappointing. One of the disappointing things I did read in, in one of the papers was, you know, how there was a young guy I, I, and he uh, had come from a pretty uh, broken home where his father had taken drugs and alcohol and he'd found cycling was a way out, you know, a way out of that lifestyle for him. And he ended up joining the U.S. postal team. And then bef and he said, you know, it absolutely broke him that he got indoctrinated into this drug taking. And before he knew it, he's getting needles shoved in his arms. He's like, he never wanted to be a drug taker, and he ended up, because, you know, and this is where, they, where they're where they going to have to really go after some people in it, is this isn't just Lance Armstrong, you know, going down to the local gym and picking up some steroids. This is a very, very well-engineered and oiled machine of doping. Yeah. You know, so they, uh, you know, Lance Armstrong is going to be the big one that we're all looking at, but, yeah, they're really going to have to, um, you know, find, you, you know, trace it all back you know i know they were talking about a doctor who was very clever in what he did and, and whatnot but i don't know <coughs> excuse me 
Yeah, well, yeah, pretty disappointing. Where what are all the heroes? So the, the guy that came second in the Tour de France, does he now get the title? Is it a little bit that's like, good. what happens? Yeah, that's a good point. I'm not sure. Maybe if anybody knows, they can let us, you know, write in and tell us. Yes. We want to know, who, who came second? Who yeah. was the Buzz Aldrin of... Um, see, this is the thing. No one can even remember who was second. I mean, that's just terrible, isn't it? Lance was so such a dominant force. I've got no idea. Okay, well, let's move on. Um, let's, we're going to move on. To, uh, just we'll, we'll dip into the world of gaming. We normally leave gaming a little bit later. But uh, Resident Evil 6 got released a few weeks ago, and that's uh, a series that uh, I know you enjoyed from the start since it was first released. I am an absolute... I love Resident Evil 4 when they changed the series up a bit, and I really enjoyed Resident Evil 5. Resident Evil 6 got released and pretty much got panned. I think GameSpot gave it something like 3 out of 10. So I, was looking on, I was looking on Metacritic and uh, it's got around about 75%. It's picked up um, on reviews. But if you look at the, re- re- uh, the, excuse me, put my teeth in, the user reviews, uh, it's, I think was sitting at about 1.5 out of 10. Well, uh, I'd like to so know about this, 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 where they're pulling all the, the reviews from them because it's been internationally panned. I hope they're not getting sponsored, allegedly, by CamCon or CapCon or TotalCon. Who does it? In what way? Well, How would they be <clears throat> sponsored? Well, you get some games. Like, it's a little bit like, and I'm not, this is allegedly, this is my personal opinion, but I, I read uh, Premier Magazine. And often, when they're just about to have a, a director interview or whatever, the film that this person's releasing gets an enormous big five-star. And it just so happens that then the next month there's a big interview or something else happens. And I think there's a certain amount of under under sort of unseen handshaking going on. Oh, I, you know what? I think that's... Yeah, and I think that's a given... You know, when you have, uh, and this is all allegedly, but I think when you have these websites, you know, if you look at a gaming website or a gaming publication, you know, where does, where's their revenue stream? Their revenue stream comes from uh, the publishers, you know, placing adverts for their games on the website. Now, if your biggest account is Capcom, you know, who pays, your, pays half of your monthly uh, bills... Yeah. Be some, maybe, there might be some temptation there to not really give them a 3 out of 10. I reckon 10. there's a lot of temptation there. Mate. It's <laughs> one of their biggest releases. You know, these poor guys have gone through... <coughs> their, their life is the zombie genre, to be honest. Capcom, isn't it? You know, if they're not doing yeah. the House of the Living, whatever it is, you just go around shooting things in the head, they're doing this. It was a major seller and, and had a big, big lot of interest. It raises a very important point about the partiality of these sites. And the fact that, yeah, sponsorship, again, is, 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 is corrupting them. Yeah, well, there's a couple of points. The impartiality of uh, review sites or whatever, uh, if you don't mind, I don't really want to go down that path. That's, yeah. That's another one for another day. Um, I was more sort of interested in the death of an IP. I, I love Resident Evil 4. Resident Evil 5 I didn't like to start with, but then I played it and I thought it was great. Really enjoyed it. And I haven't played Resident Evil 6. I'm putting my hands up there. I haven't played it, and I will give it a go. But there's... And and naturally, you'd think that I would hope that it would be a fantastic game. But there's also a part of me that I love a car crash. And, you know, if it turns out to be an absolute dog of a game, 
I quite like the fact that a company gets a kick in the backside and is, you know, you can't just keep releasing and turning over and releasing the same thing over and over and over. I mean, my love affair with Star Wars is over. You know, I'm just sick to the death of Star anything with Star Wars slapped on it. Um, what was the other something? You know, Ninja Gaiden was another game. You know, the first two Ninja Gaidens were pretty pretty amazing games, um, and then Ninja Gaiden Three came out last year, I think it was, and absolutely tanked. Good. How, can we have something new? You know, stop just regurgitating. You know, the same old rubbish. It's um, it's, it's the the Bond um, dilemma, and what I mean by that is like the James Bond films started off the books were very good they were good source material and there was a, a quality to them then unfortunately because the same production team were involved in them it got to the point where you had Roger Moore um, doing some well, well basically the theme tunes were better than the films themselves they had a couple of token moments and then everything started to go really stale and then people that like used it as, as, a, as, as, a, as a, a guide or, or an influence like the Bourne films started to do them better bigger and far more interesting and then the whole of the Bond sort of genre where you had a fucking invisible car for Christ's sake that was just so embarrassing <laughs> or Pierce Brosnan trying to run if you ever look at look at some Bond films and watch Pierce Brosnan run <coughs> like a girl you just stop 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 believing in them and it was interesting you said about the George Lucas thing because he's taken the fran- franchise and just killed it to death we've now got Vodafone adverts with Yoda in them it's like mate you've made enough money stop stripping out and raping the whole fucking thing how much more juice can you squeeze out of this fucking thing and then yeah. the thing with the Resident Evil sort of like side is, is they were they were getting good but what needs to happen is is like take that franchise and give it to another development house to like work on. Use it as a, as a source material where you can get some of the, the, the new up and coming development houses taking on that, that genre or that sort of thing and working with it rather than the same old production team. We've obviously been lazy. They've not learned that why the reason like four and five were good because there was an awful lot of interactiveness and they were pushing the element slightly. They'd gone from a lot of house horror to like going around to like a French village where all the people are just drony French garlic scoffers and you just have to shoot them in the head, which is quite cathartic. So, well, it was deemed quite racist that they had it kind of like based in Africa and, and, and I can understand that that might have been, it was all a bit voodoo or whatever, but it was still, you know, they, 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 they did an exciting uh, thing. I'm not going, you know, I'm not, I'm not buying into that racist thing. You've got to set it somewhere. What's the div- you know, is it racist if he's killing white zombies? You know, so what did they drop them in Africa? People in Africa are black. That's not news. No, I, I'm just saying that that was, it was because they were, it was written in, in one of the publications reading that they, they thought it, it was verging on slightly racist sort of like territory. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it's stupid, isn't it? Yeah. A zombie is a uh, zombie at the end of the day. Yeah, and I'll do it say I'm getting a little bit sick of zombies. But there you go. Mate, um, yeah. I'm uh, vampires. I'm sick Vamp- of fucking vampires <laughs> everywhere, man. <laughs> vampires really The irony of blood sucking and like what the, the things that they've brought out, you know. People that okay, look like so- Morrissey going around sucking girls that look like the girl who works in a shop. It's all shit in it. Yeah. Okay. So I'll give you. So talking about uh, the um, uh, original content. So this was something that I saw on a website. So I'll give you a quick quiz for Jeremy today. Okay. So I've got a list of the top ten films uh, in the U.S. from 1981, 1991, 2001, and 2011. Okay. In 1981, 
there was out of the top ten films, there were seven original films. How many do you think out of the top ten in 2011 were original films? Seven? None. None? None. So in 1981, you had Raiders of the Lost Ark, which was fantastic. Uh, Arthur, Stripes, The Cannonball Run, Chariots of Fire, The Four Seasons, which I have no idea what that is. <laughs> you ever heard of that film? And Time Bandits. You had, in 1981, you had two sequels, Superman 2 and For Your Eyes Only, and then one adaptation of a novel, which was on Golden Pond. But seven, seven out of the top ten were original films. Didn't I say seven? No, I asked you for 2011. I thought you were talking about 1981. I know now that there aren't any original films. No, I'm gay. I want, I want that clarified so I said loads of original stuff was coming out in the 80s I told you seven now you said how many films came out yeah, in I 1981 already, I said original? in 1981 seven original films how many in 2011 and I said seven no <laughs> no mate I, we all know that everything in this in, in our in our in this decade is just totally unoriginal rehashed tripe I know and it's just brutal it's just outrageous you know, the problem is is that they, uh, they're relying on a, a, a lot of old script writers who haven't got a decent idea between them. And if you look back at like the Back to the Future idea, it was genius. This bloke going back to sort of sort out why his family is so completely incompetent and useless because of this mad professor. It was a wonderful, wonderful idea. Incredibly clever. Time bandits. Genius. Again, hopping back and forth between places. Um, what was the other film? Raised of the Lost Ark. I know they were. Yeah, Back to the Future <clears throat> wasn't in there, but still, Back to the Future was great. I'm just saying where you've got a very original idea, and they've worked it out really well. And now it's sort of take a very good film, and then make it shit. And that's what they're doing with so many films now that they're sort of taking an original idea and making bad. So how many in 2011? Then none. None. Harry Potter eight, Transformers three. Oh. Twilight Saga 4, oh. Hangover Part 2, oh. Pirates of the Caribbean Part oh. 4, oh. Fast, Fast 5, oh. Cars 2. Ooh, that wasn't a good one. Cars 1 was bad. Uh, now, they don't count it as original, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Oh. I like that. Yeah, that was good. It was much better. Yeah, I like that. Terrible film with Eric Safley Spoken, Marky Mark. Oh, I didn't see that one. Oh, mate, never watch that Tim Burton train disaster of Marky yeah. Mark and the funky bunch fucksters basically <laughs> shitting all over what was a very clever uh, Charles Heston wonderful like series of films clever right. apes that rule <laughs> yeah man this is one of the things right this is this whole thing about apes why haven't apes evolved at the same sort of like speed as us we're supposed to evolve from them why, why have they sort of just been left in time warp yeah, I'm not sure. There is an answer to that question. I can't give it to you. It's too early. Yeah. Like, why are we the only species that have evolved to the level that we have? I mean, this, I don't know. This might give rise to the um, to Scientology and, and, and someone coming from a, a spaceship and basically blessing us, Zoinfers or whatever we are, with, um, with advanced intelligence. Some people say that we don't have advanced intelligence. I would agree. Yeah. All right, you're moving me on, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> me on. He's off. He's off. 
get in the hole. Get in the hole. USA. USA. Oh, I'm so glad you all lost. Sorry, USA, but I'm so glad. I'm glad to hear your shouting and booing and your general, like, god-awful attitude whenever our poor golfers have to go over there and face you lot. I'm so glad that you lost. Sorry. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the Americans, they just don't mind, which I quite like sometimes. Yeah. They're so. as subtle as a brick, bless them. So, yeah, so the death of Resident Evil 6, maybe, we'll see. Zombies, what, I was watching... Where would what, you like to see that go, just out of interest? Uh, you know what, there's been a lot of talk recently about uh, people wanting it to go back to how it originally was. A little bit more of... Um, a constricted type of gameplay. I think I think Resident Evil Four or Five and Four and Five are quite a constricted gameplay anyway. But even if you go back to the original ones in the series, they were very restricted in what you could do. I mean, it took you an hour just to walk across a room, then you had to wait for some door to open. I mean, you always felt as though if anything was going to come at you, you were in trouble no matter what. It didn't matter what weapon you had. Yeah, you never had enough 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 bullets. <laughs> no, you were always scrabbling around for ammo. Yeah. And this is another point, you know, our game's too easy, you know, the regenerating health bar and, you know, um, somebody was talking about something the other day, I wish I could remember what game it was, but they said, you know, it's a great game, you know, you, you, I'm having to really look around for ammunition and health packs and I'm really concerned playing this game all the time and it's making me explore more, you know, because... I'm not just getting a free ride and free ammo all the way through, and um, yeah, we don't. Maybe games aren't as difficult as they were. You know, there isn't a game really that these days that comes without an easy setting, granddad setting. So I don't know. Maybe it'd be nice to see it uh, go back to what it was, but it would just be nice to see some new stuff. I kind of like the idea. Do you remember that the zombie game? And I know that we both said we were tired of zombies, but there was that zombie game where you're in a sort of a supermarket or a shopping centre and you just grabbed various different items like a, a golf club or or a cricket bat or whatever you could find to hand. Yeah, is that Dead Rising? That's right, and then they brought out a second one, didn't they? Dead Rising 2. I've never played it and whatever, I guess it's fun. But I mean, there was lots. There was Dead Nation that I played. I think you play, played that as well on the PlayStation um, I was watching The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead Series 2 just went on to Netflix. I started watching that last night. And I have to admit, it got to the end of the first one, and I had to watch the second one. But it'd be during the first one, I was like, really? I mean, how much can you really keep milking zombies? People love them. George Romero, all those time ago, and actually, his first zombie was black, but he was making a statement about racism because... Not to ruin anything, you haven't seen it, but it was a seminal film, and at the end of it, poor black guy, who's actually the hero of the piece, because he's got some sort of, like, rednecks, um, who just immediately obviously think that he's some zombie or a murderer or whatever, just shoot him dead, and it's just, basically the film finishes, and you're like, what the fuck? But, yeah, I think there's certain things just come out of fashion, isn't it? It's like flares, comes back, dies off, comes back, dies off, zombies, vampires. Yeah. But not soon enough of werewolves. Let's have werewolves running around cities, taking heads off people and stuff like that, and then eating stuff. I'd like to have a werewolf game where you're a mild-mannered kind of like banker, a banker or an estate agent during the day, and in the evening you're a werewolf running around a mock, going into restaurants. Yeah, see, you won't get werewolves. Pumping the waitress. Were- were- 
Zombies work. Zombies and uh, vampires work for the movies and for TV because you just dress up people. Werewolves won't work. It's too difficult to do werewolves. But games could do werewolves. Yeah. See, that's the beauty of the games. So... Um, if anyone does hey, a werewolf uh, game out there, we want some money. All right, we're just giving you a, an idea. Okay, it'll be o- Okami too. You get a bonus yeah, point okay. for doing a doggy style hump on a waitress. <laughs> doggy style. Only if she's willing, though. Actually, right. th- if you've seen um, uh, uh, Dracula with uh, Gary Oldman, uh, there's, a, there's a woman in there who was married to Jim <laughs> and. The only role she's ever had is being humped from behind by a werewolf. I mean, uh, uh, she's a, one of those people, a little bit like Meg Matthews, who was married to um, Noel Gallagher, who basically just social parasites, social celebrity parasites. You don't bring anything to the table apart from like just being there and having a, a famous, um, famous husband or whatever. And anyway, this this woman who would argue that she is actually an actress, you just get humped by a man in a wolf suit. Right, and that's the only thing that anyone's ever going to remember you for, love. Move along. Mm. Okay, so uh, that's uh, zombies. Um, It just keeps coming. See what I did there? Uh, Let's move on to expats quickly. We keep saying we're going to touch on expats. I've just thought Uh, of an idea, actually, for our werewolf game. Is that um, the more humping that you do of leg humping, the more energy that you get. So if you just grab some sort of poor unsuspecting, and you can just have people that you just generally dislike in society, like bankers. If you grab a banker and hump his leg, you get bonus points for that. You could have, like, Frankenstein comes in, like, Frankenstein's monster comes in for, like, bonus levels. You've got to fight him at some point, and then you go off. I just, I just think there's mileage in that. Sorry. Yeah, you could have, like, uh, say, um, you have the bankers there. You have to kill the bankers. You can either, like, do um, one of your special werewolf moves and jump up and rip the guy's throat out. Or you get humility points for humping his leg. Or hump him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> get up there on your haunches. Grabbing, get it grabbing on the his counter. Grabbing parting haircut and his public schoolboy clothing and just grabbing him. Hump- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay, we're going to go. <laughs> we're going to go on to expats here, and I'm going to just do uh, quickly. I'm going to tie in two things. One, I want to talk about companies that continue to take the piss, which I mentioned at the start. I somehow I got an email this week from Sports Direct out in England. I don't know why they're emailing me. How some they've picked up my email address? Something I'm. Yeah, some they've probably been bought my email address from somebody. Anyway, they emailed me and sent me uh, the daily deals. And uh, they had cracking deals on England tops, so down from about 45 quid down to 16 quid for an England top. So I ordered three of them, one for me and one for the boy. And, uh, and this ties in with expats because never, ever when I lived in England would I wear a football top. But now because I live in Canada, I can wear football tops every day because it's edgy and cool. Uh, so anyway, I ordered three of these football tops and now I'm getting emails every day from these guys. You know, it's just brutal. You know, I suppose now I've confirmed the fact that I exist on this email address. But I have two emails this morning, you know, both of them about sales. Uh, you know what? I've bought from you. You sent me an email once every few weeks. Where do you stop understanding that your behavior now is not conducive to any more sales? Now all your behavior now is conducive is to me never wanting to go use your company again. And I will vote with my wallet, and I will unsubscribe from your list, and I will never use your company again. Am I wrong? 
No, I, I think you're absolutely right, Matt. I think that's in a lot of things where companies have got lazy. Everything is now automated. So rather than you having some telesales person go, hello, can I interest you? And you slamming the phone down on them straight away. You now have somebody, hello, this is such and such company. My voice has been pre-recorded and I will keep haranguing you and harassing you for as long as I like because there's nothing you can do. Oh, you put the phone out. It doesn't matter. I should bring you again in a week's time. I should, and, and this whole sort of automated shit like these companies of you sending out these uh, you, you, you pretend they're personalised because you think you've done something clever in the background by looking at what I'm interested in which in your case would be England tops in my case would be God knows what all sorts I buy all sorts of stuff on the web um, and then yeah you're literally getting spammed by the people that should be sending you stuff now and again occasionally I think occasional emails is okay you might be interested in a, an England vest no, I was, and occasionally it was a fantastically well-timed email, Christmas is coming, time to get some, some whatever, but I don't need an email every day. And then the other one was, you know, I got a, uh, and this wasn't even a company, this was, uh, my son's in Beavers, so this is the Beaver leader, uh, phoned me up uh, half nine at night, half past nine. <gasps> I don't know, what, have I missed something in, you know, half past nine? I mean, I didn't mind. I was up, but I'm not always up at half past. That just seems a little bit late. When did the half past nine stop being late? Kirby Enthusiasm actually does a, a thing on there, and old Larry does a, a bit on people ringing past a certain time. My my wife's father rings up at times that are just not appropriate. I just got in from work. I think even half eight is too late. To be honest, half eight, nine o'clock, half nine. You're well in the territory of it's got to be an emergency or something very, very important. This isn't the time to be ringing up just for a quick little natter. You know? I, absolutely. I mean, I don't know whether there's, you know, seven o'clock is dinner time. Yeah. Eight o'clock is sitting down after dinner time. Yeah. Probably watching a film, maybe watching TV, very possibly getting ready to go to bed for an early night. Half six, you've just got in. You don't want to speak to them then either. Half but- five. You're probably just maybe, if you're lucky, walking through the door. Yeah. Nine to five, you shouldn't really speak to anyone between nine and five. <laughs> exactly. You should leave a message, and if it's important, we'll get back to you. And if not, don't don't be ringing. Right? Yeah, I don't know. Half nine, that's late. That was brutal. I, was, I didn't understand that. Man or that. woman? Man. And you see, most men don't like ringing up each other on the phones. Everything's just by text. Text has evolved because it's much easier for men to just go, I mean, a pub at a... I see it, the such and such, whatever. That's how we communicate now. We just get straight to the point, get on with it. Ringing up at these sort of hours and harassing people who've been working all day because you've got some pointless thing that we would be interested in anyway is banned. So from half yeah, five till, 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 till half five. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I thought that was pretty weird. Um, and if a company phone, I've had companies phone me up, you know, they have these poor salespeople on the other end of the line who are being whipped, you know, to get the sales phone, you know, if you phone me, if you phone me trying to sell me double glazing at 8.30 on a Friday night, you must need your head tested. Exactly. I mean, it's just how can you possibly think that you're going to get a result out of that? I want to be on the, on the, on the blocked line that blocks all telephones says, I will never, ever buy anything from anybody ringing me over the phone, ever. I'll never buy anything from anybody sending me a leaflet through the post. Right? No. I, I, I just won't. I might use it as a reference and look for somebody cheaper on the web, but there is a thing called the web now. I'm not interested in your shit. I had no. this person trying to ring me up the other day. 
I think I discussed it on the last rant about buying virus software. They tried to say there's something wrong with your PC. It goes through this long-winded call. I just ended up telling it to fuck off, slamming the phone down. That is the new yeah. method of working with these people because it's just like you're not listening. Oftel don't do anything to ban you. These are our regulator over here to stop you from ringing up and harassing me. I'm not interested in your shit. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, it's brutal. Uh, okay, we're going to just quickly move on and just talk about films. Um, because uh, you gave me the recommendation to watch Raid Redemption. Um, you know what this is starting to feel like? You gave me the other Swedish film to watch, um, Headhunters. And then you've given me Raid Redemption. What else? Oh, no, yeah, and, and Safe with the Stafe you told me to watch. Okay, first of all, Safe with the Stafe left me emotionally scarred. Uh, Raid Redemption uh, pretty much started to go that way. That film is brutal, <laughs> mate. You know what I reminded me of? I was watching it. I started to think, I feel like I'm back in middle school where you have that friend who has all the copied videos, whatever. Here, here's Reanimator. You want to watch this? Don't tell your parents. <laughs> you're, making me, you're making me watch. So Raid Redemption is a Korean film. Um, go on, you tell, tell, tell us about Raid Redemption. Well, Raid is basically where there's some really nasty guys that are in the top of this sort of tower block, and various different police forces have tried to take down this guy who's selling drugs and doing all sorts of nasty, devious stuff in there. Well, they haven't managed to. So this old and he manages he manages a cycling team. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's got the, uh, the, the the U.S. Post team getting getting first everywhere, allegedly. Anyway, um, so they send in this kind of like amateur uh, group of policemen, all sort of like kitted up, to go in there and basically take this guy down. And they have to go literally floor by floor, and that is pretty much it until they get to the top. It's a little bit based, I suppose. If anyone likes their kung foolery like me, then they'll obviously remember um, the Bruce Lee film. Now, he has a similar thing where he has to go floor by floor and each one he's fighting a, a different, uh, uh, slightly more skillful adversary in, 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 in the whole of the film. So this is a similar sort of like thing, but it just goes totally nuts as Korean films do. Massive amount of violence. Some wonderful kung foolery is in there. One of the guys who's basically a novice turns out to be the, the absolute hero. Strangely enough, his brother is, is actually in there as well, but he's one of the baddies working for the top man who has a, a thing about killing people with hammers. Um, so you can have sort of quite brutal. You have sort of what we would describe in, 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 in the West as unnecessary violence. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Safe with the stave. <laughs> yeah, unnecessary violence. Well, it's gone from... It was brutal. Oh, wait, but mate, the, the problem is, is when you used to have Arnie and he would throw like a, a, a spinning sword disc into someone's head, there was a comedy almost to it because it was so badly done. Now it's so sort of realistic. Like in the Bourne films, you actually think they're having a good scrap here. Um, and you think with the Stay films, although there's a lot of kung fu going on there, there's still some br- brutal manoeuvres. And there seems to be this thing now of killing people by shoving their heads onto broken shards of glass that you've just thrown them through. Um, I've seen that death a lot. If anyone's seen one, and I think this has to be out of all of the brutal films I've seen, one of the worst deaths is in American History X, where he makes this guy put his teeth Oh, I know exactly what you're going to tell. Yeah, 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 that is. It's just terrific. And, and this just has those kind of violent bits as course of the film. Yeah. yeah, but I remember in American History X that in the context of that film, I mean, it really hammers home 
it's a different level yeah. of um, impact on that. This sort of I'm a little bit numb to all the killing and whatever and something like raid. Um, that's an interesting psychological thing, though, isn't it? Because you've become so desensitised to the amount of killing that's going on there. It's becoming the norm. But because of the context, the death of this poor black guy from this racist, this sort of white supremacist of how he kills and how the whole thing happens, it is one of the most brutal deaths, I think, put to film. But in you know, in a comparison to people getting their heads chopped off and everything else in Raid or Safe with a Stafe, it's nothing, is it? <laughs> no, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. How our psychological uh, minds work on, you know, the context of the death. It's, it's yeah. weird. So what do you make of the yeah. play, then? Let's have your thoughts. Well, you know what? You're going to hate me here. I, I didn't actually make it all the way through. I was watching it, and I only got to uh, probably about three quarters of the way through before the laptop died on me. Um, I had to watch it on the laptop, and the batteries ran out. So I think I'm going to watch. I think I'm going to watch the rest of it because I want to find out what the connection is. You know, like you say. Well, actually, I know the connection now. It's his brother. <laughs> He's really. But I might dead. watch. Yeah, but I might watch that. I might watch the end of it. Um, but you know what? I did get about uh, halfway through, and I thought, you know, <laughs> I'm going to take a guess at how the rest of this bears out. <laughs> It is. I I, mean, it's I'm going to go out on a limb here. If anybody likes the Ombok films, and you, I just kind of like it because it's almost like a, a, a gymnastics. that they, they should actually have fighting in the Olympics because these guys are kind of gymnasts. It's all sort of silly, lots of choreographed scrapping and blocking, punching, blocking, punching kind of like stuff. And I think men have missed out on having the kind of... Bruce Willis, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jordan was come. I'm so glad that it's come back and it's come back. Well, yeah, we've had a bit of a gap, haven't we, for the last ten or fifteen years, where they, no one really knew what to do, and um, yeah, it's it's fun. Yeah, you know, and think, you know, if you take it for what it is, then then that's good. Uh, I, I'll let you give it a mark out of ten. For for men that just want to basically, the wife's gone out, and you just want something to eat Chinese too. I'll probably give it seven. Seven. Very good. Okay, from the half that I saw, I'll give it... Oh, you know what? I'll give it a set. Uh, you know, I liked it, actually. To be fair, okay, I didn't watch all of it, and it was pretty brutal or whatever, but it was pretty well made, and uh, I thought some of the fighting was pretty clever. So, yeah, seven from what I saw, from what I saw, and I'll uh, try and watch the rest of it. Um, now, we actually sat down. We had a movie ready to talk about, um, which, we unfortunately, we couldn't do last week, uh, but we watched Cowboys and Aliens with... Harris, <laughs> say no more. For those I'm watching, Jeremy and I have video Skype, so uh, yeah, his face uh, tells certainly a, a few words. Um, cowboys and aliens. You know what? Man on a ledge. Let's just <laughs> <laughs> you're getting what you pay for. Yeah. Cowboys and aliens. Uh, yeah. It's like snakes ah, on a plane ah. or made in Manhattan. Or it, it, it says what it does on the tin in the title, um, and it has the emotional impact and um, gravitas of Man on a Ledge. Harrison Ford, I don't, he just looks like the confused old man at the wedding, doesn't he? You know, oh, where am I off to? What's going on here? Where? It's ruining it. It's ruining the kind of like, you know, our... our Indiana Jones or Han Solo kind of like image that we've got we're just having this sort of doddering old gifter who, who, who's sort of turkey neck now is, is gradually expanding he's in the wrong roles he, he's, he, he's so associated with being a hero that you know he plays a bit of a dark character in this, in this 
this film, but he just does pull it off. The film is just rubbish. Well, they give him rubbish. some sort of redemption at the end where he actually turns out to be not that bad, you know, which is, oh, you know, which is the, for one for uh, graphic novel nerds, uh, like the Watchmen, the unification of the alien invasion brings everyone together. Um, but, uh, yeah, he starts off as a nasty piece of work and then he ends up, you know, he sort of becomes the blood brother of this uh, Indian chief and whatever. I mean, yeah, it was a load of old toilet. Um, but you made a good point, you know, with with uh, wheeling out Harrison Ford again. Uh, you know, and maybe in this one it wasn't so bad. He played an old guy. He played some guy's dad or whatever. But in Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, I mean, you can see it. The guy's got trouble running. Yeah. He can't even run. He's older in Crystal Skull than Sean Connery was when he played his father in uh, the other one. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. I know, mate. It doesn't work. And, and the whole thing of that film is is that it's trying to bring two genres that, to be honest, don't work anyway. Cowboys um, are, are stuck in an era where your yeah, guns and all the rest of it were, well, whatever, they'd normally explode in your hand most of the time when you try and shoot them against this species that could just... And the whole thing just didn't fucking work. Uh, anyway, so yeah, Cowboys and Aliens did what it said on the tin. I give it a four. Oh, mate, yeah, I'd have to give it a, a, a four. Cowboys and Aliens. Man on a ledge. I think that's like when they say, like, with, um, basically, when you're jumping the shark, it's like a very famous term that they, they, they used. Yep. For, um, what was that series in the States? The uh, Happy Days. Happy Days. And yeah, when it went absolutely bizarre yeah. when they had an episode where Fonzie water skied over a shark. A shark. <laughs> and, and Man on a Ledge. Genius. Genius. <laughs> Man on a Ledge does sum up now, and I think that's going to be our code word for something that is just so tripe and pony. You, you wonder why any money was ever given. And it just goes to show those people that are sitting in there. Green light in these films are clueless fuckwits. Yeah, you know what? But uh, yeah, well, cowboys and aliens. At least they had a go. I mean, yeah. I well, you, you know if, what? If you, you know what? My, my patience really wears out is when Cowboys and Aliens Two comes out. Mate, your patience will, will run out when you see Avengers Ensemble. What's that? This is where you've got Iron Man, the Hulk. Um, Dead Eye or Red Eye or some flid. You've got Deadpool. Is that it? Yeah, maybe you might hear me fires a bow and arrow. Um, oh no, that's Hawkeye. You've got Thor, and basically you've got all these guys that have. To, and I watched it last night. That the missus went out on the town, and I was babysitting the son, and I had my Chinese, and this was a film I thought would be worth watching. Two hundred and ten minutes of of, of just shit. All right. Not the Avengers movie. Yeah. Yeah, what do you call it? Avengers, Avengers Assemble. Yeah, Ensemble. Well, we didn't have that. It was just called Avengers here. Oh, was it? Oh, no. Well, we had Avengers Ensemble. Yeah, it was all right. Oh, God. You've seen it? Yeah, I took the boy to see it. Oh, it's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Weren't we supposed to watch that for one of our second episodes? Yeah, we were. I mean, but, but, but talk about dragging something out. God, it was tiresome. Oh, it's awful. It's awful, but it's great. I, any of you guys out there who are thinking, oh, I'm just going to watch this one, wipes out, this is out, don't shit. 
it drags out an idea for so long. The only good bit is when they actually have a bitching session. They're standing around the table and he's saying, well, you're just some playboy, such such. He goes, yeah, well, you're just something out of a bottle. Um, I know, yeah, and I've got to mention, Stan Lee doing kind of like cameos, don't do it anymore. He just looks, again, like, like, like Harrison Ford, an old lost man. There's lots well, of it's not men. He's the problem the- with Stan, yeah, the problem with Stan Lee and his cameos is that it's not really a cameo anymore, is it? I no. mean, it's just there he is, there he is, there he is, and now he just looks like an idiot in the films. But he's got such a terrible you know? comb over shredded wheat on the top of his head. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wondering how he's managed. I mean, it breaks all laws of physics, so you can have that on there. Right. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, and this and watch this space. All right. I'm watch. I've been watching uh, the. I watch. You know, I, I'm a bit of. A, I like my comics, and I've watched the odd things and things with Stanley in them. There was. Uh, I watched. Um, oh, what's the name of the guy who did Clarks and uh, Mole Rats and Kevin Smith. Uh, Kevin, Kevin Smith? Yeah, that piece of work. I watched him do uh, an interview with Stanley and talk about whatever. And um, yeah, I did Stanley. There's just something about him. You know, when the one man can sit there and appear to be so genuine and about how people need heroes. I don't know. I just watched this space. I, I think something just... What's this you space? know what I'm what saying? Watch this space? Is he going to die? What are you talking about? I just think he's weird. Oh, you think something's going to come out of that? <laughs> <laughs> I just there? think... Yeah, I don't know. Something to, either he is, the, he is the absolute antithesis of super nerd, you know, boy who never grew up, you know, comic... Geekazoid, or something's really not right. Uh, I don't know. Something's not right. Anyway, yeah, and this is something I noticed the other day. Is a lot of people were talking about Transformers, man. I I didn't have Transformers passed me by when I was a kid. I I missed all that. Shit, they've always were shit. I had friends who had the big kind of like buildings that would turn into shit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, look, let's uh, move on and uh, let's get on to some messages because uh, a lot of people, um, not a lot of people, but a few people sent us something. So first of all, I got a, a, a Twitter from um, Sir Moni Phipps, uh, or Sir Phipps, at Sir Phipps. At, uh, he sent something to us and said hello, uh, but he also said, uh, what's grinding his people sniffing every 10 seconds. Oh, gotcha. Get that on the train all the time. So I get yourself. There was somebody who was sitting off. It was a girl, and it was just a. And I, and I was in this moral quandary where I thought, well, I'm just going to give one of my tissues or whatever. Blow your fucking nose, woman, sitting there sniffing. And then you get something and get the whole lot up there. It's not going to change. It's not going anywhere. Get it out your nose. Uh, yeah, mate. Absolutely. Totally agree with you sniffing it, filthy bastards. Go and blow your nose. There we go, yeah, that's a good... And then he adds on the back, on the end of it, stab them in the nose with a brick. So, I like that as well. Yeah, that's good. So, uh, thank you, Sir Phipps. Stabbing uh, them in the nose of a brick. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, this seems to be quite a thing. We have uh, a few of the emails coming where people say, what's grinding their gears? And they always follow it up with a bit of violence. <laughs> <laughs> I think there are like. time and place for fight clubs to be, to be brought around where you can get your mild-mannered people that have just had enough and go and have a scrap. Even if you get yeah, well, yeah, what would be better than a fight club? Rather than a fight club where you sort of are a club and you go fight other guys who want to have a scrap, 
you know, I'd rather pay for a premium service where, you know, I get to fight people that I just generally want to kill. <laughs> you know, that would be great. You yes. know, bring that woman off the train who keeps sniffing. Hand me the bat with a nail in it. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, dear. Okay. The other one, uh, we had another one here from uh, some guys from uh, a podcast called The Play Vault. Uh, they had been asking me um, about our podcast and whether we were the... Uh, well, saying hello, and uh, said they'd subscribe to it. Uh, they said uh, from the Play Vault, we are fellow podcasters too, and we wish you guys the best of luck. Luck. I'll leave you uh, an iTunes review soon. So uh, that was very kind of them. And I will say, I went and I listened to their podcast, and that's a great podcast. So if you have a chance to go listen to that, uh, the Play Vault. And you have to be careful as well. I think there's another company called the Play Vault. So uh, don't be mistaken. Look for the Play Vault podcast. Uh, um, uh, so thank you very much from that, uh, guys. Uh, keep up the good work on your end, and uh, we'll try and do the same. Uh, I had another one from a guy, Paul Bates. Uh, I liked your rant about reality TV shows and the X Factor and the one about lorries overtaking on the motorways. Uh, so, uh, yeah. That, those ones are always good. There's mileage in those ones. I can even feel myself thinking there's more mileage in them as I read that uh, read his Twitter. I, I would uh, like to do a podcast just on BMW drivers. Just a whole one, start to finish with what rocks they come out of, to getting in their cars, to thinking they, they own the rock. The whole thing, I'd like to do start to finish and just just dismember just, just them limb from limb, small bone, even the tiny little bones in their ears have dismembered publicly yeah see I, I agree with you this is it's something about the bmw image i mean it's uh with it being a driver's car now i had a bmw for a little while and uh it was a fantastic car it's got to be probably one of the best cars i've ever had you know been able to drive for a while it was really really good to drive but um yeah that whole bmw image and uh yeah i can see there's mileage in that one for sure yeah. Yeah, a lot. I um, yeah. Anyway, Paul Bates, thank you very much. Thanks, Appreciate Paul. that. Um, listening, mate. Yeah, and uh, and our friend Sean emailed us again. He said, "Loving, loving the rants. Listening in the car helps take the serious edge off life as I battle my way through the hideous traffic traffic chaos around the UK on the whim of my evil corporate masters." <laughs> Uh, anyway, shop assistants. There I am, swanning around a store, looking at ideas to buy something. Uh, the second I clap eyes on something, up walks a spotty, prepubescent, pitiful excuse for an employee, and off they go. And off they go. Can I put that aside for you, sir? Or I'll just go and see if we have that in your size. Uh, no, I'm a fully grown man and have sufficient life skills to browse your shop without help. Look, I'm even toilet trained. If I'm interested in something and have a question, I'm perfectly capable of walking up to the checkout and asking a question. Uh, yeah, he has a very good point. There's some shops where you get absolutely pounced on. Uh, oh, in London, they, they actually at the door, they greet you to come in. In this American way, and it's all very... We're not good with that, the English. We don't like that kind of like thing, but they, they're, they're there. Hello, sir. How's your day? It's fuck off. You don't know me. Just let me get in the shop. No, I don't need anything in here. It's all in the wrong size. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's, he makes a good point there. I'm perfectly capable of looking around, but... Um, yeah, you want to have a good look, and then you ask, don't you, when you can't find it. That's yeah. when you ask. That's what men do. Men, men, they must, they have to follow the rules and regulations of when a man's map reading. He goes through hundreds and hundreds of different maps, hours and hours of being lost, 
finally, when he's finally exasperated, will he ask someone where something is? You never will go up to somebody and ask it, and he'll never make a phone call, really, to a mate to just have a chat, apart from you. No. No, I, I don't get bothered too much. I get a lot of people in shops who will ask me if they, if I need any help, but I tend to be a very curt, no, no, just looking. Thanks. And uh, I don't tend to get bothered again, but, um, yeah. In, and Europe, also say, in Europe, if you're English, you go in some places, they actually follow you around the shop, convinced that you're going to be either thieving their, their produce. It happens a lot in Greece. I would just go into shop and they would literally be, is there, would you like anything? Well, that sounds more French than Greek, doesn't it? I don't know, Greek. How, how does Greek go? Anyway. How do they talk? I don't know. <laughs> Give us the money. Show me the money. We don't have any money. Well, they follow you around the shop, which is even more interesting. Yeah, you know what? You're, you're, you know, we should be. You're, that's uh, more uh, something we should be talking about. Expats again. The Brits abroad. We're never going to get to this expats conversation, are we? No, it's going to be. A I mid- think that's going to. Yeah, that's going to be the running gag. Expats never happens. Uh, then uh, Sean says, there are petrol station checkouts. I buy fuel. I go to pay. Would you like a giant coronary-inducing bar of chocolate for £2? Uh, no, you vacuous waste of oxygen. If I wanted chocolate, I would have gone to the relevant shelf, picked some up, and placed it on the counter. Rant over. Good one, Sean, mate. <laughs> yeah, good old Sean. Um, yeah, you know, you, I, I agree. It, it's... We've got this mouldy old chocolate that's been festering. We can't seem to get rid of it because no one wants to buy a piece of chocolate the size of a breeze block. Would you like to buy it for two pounds? No, I don't. So don't keep stacking them up there so I can't even write my put my pin number in. I agree, mate. Terrible. Yeah, I, one of the things with petrol stations that I always wanted to rant about was I always buy my petrol at the pump now um, for two reasons. One, because it's quicker. Uh, because my cards actually work. I had about a period of about 10 years where I could never get a card to work in any sort of machine. But they work now. Two, because uh, actually it's three points. A second point is that uh, my card never gets cloned anymore. Every time I used to use my petrol in the uh, petrol uh, shops, in the gas station shops, uh, the next week my whole account would be cleared out because the guy behind the counter had swiped it himself for uh, his mate in his uh, uh, 1987 BMW to go buy more whatever um subwoofers <laughs> or something i don't know whatever uh so now for safety i just use my card at the pump but the other one is i can't stand going into the petrol station and it happens every time if i ever if the pump if i can't pay at the pump and it's broken this happens to me every time i'll just be like okay you know i'm pretty much i don't like to hang around i just want to get my petrol paid for and my gas paid for and get out of there i will go in I won't get stuck behind somebody who's paying for their gas or who has trouble with their card or who's asking a question or anything like that. No, I'll get stuck behind somebody who's cashing and running through 40 lottery tickets or 40 scratch cards, you know, with the constant winner, Daniel. Winner, Daniel. <laughs> just drives me brutal and then what they do is the guy at the end of it will go yeah well done uh, you've won uh, $14 and then they're just like okay great give me 14 more cards 14 more cards oh, and you, you know what really just oh brutal anyway that's my rant for that one <laughs> winner gagnon and we get that gagnon at the end because of the French winner gagnon <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's brutal. <laughs> I got <laughs> Oh mate. Oh, you left the best till last. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Okay, and I think uh that 
is about me done. That's all the uh, Twitters and the emails. Um, you know what? I'm just going to say to another email before, uh, quickly. Uh, no, never mind. I'm not going to say that one. <laughs> okay. I forgot what I was going to say. I didn't have it written down. So before I try and remember it or get it wrong, I'm not going to say it. Uh, yeah, okay, so that's really uh, about it. We won't, We didn't get round to expats. Um, that will probably be a, a white elephant, and we'll never get that, but I'm going to mention it every week. Uh, any other business, Jeremy? Um, no, I think that's all good for, for me. Thank you very much. Yep, thank you. Okay, uh, then uh, let's wrap it up, and uh, we look forward to uh, hearing or seeing you next week, Excellent. if we can. Excellent stuff. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.